I don't have a whole lot for announcements other than next week, 10 o'clock, we'll be here again. Um, it's been our third week being back in the building, and it's been really good, and, uh, and we've really enjoyed it. And we're kind of rebuilding ourselves, as you can see. We're kind of, we didn't go right back to the full assembly with the overheads and the projectors and the, and the drums and all that stuff. We're just kind of feeling it back out and seeing how it's going to go and kind of reinventing just kind of how we do business. But those are just the logistics things that I just like to let you know about so you're aware of what's going on. And, and, and what we have for the future is, is that we're going to grow this thing. You know, I mean, my, uh, as I think about being back in the building in a new beginning, and I'm not going to start on a preach baby right away, but just that I haven't had this full vision of our future or anything like this, but I do see this, that as we're back in this building, that, um, and people are starting to loosen up on a lot of the COVID things and the fears and, and things of that nature, as we're now back in a building that's kind of in the center of the, of the city that, um, people will fill the seats. And again, it goes back to, we're not just trying to fill seats to fill seats, but if we say that God has broken our hearts for the lost and dying, then we want to see the seats full of people who need Jesus Christ, you know? And as we're kind of reinventing how we do business from the logistical point of view, it doesn't change anything about where our center is and where our focus is. We will always be centered on knowing Jesus and making him known. We are saved by grace through faith in the name of Jesus Christ. And the finished work of the cross. It doesn't get simpler than that, right? And it doesn't get more joyful and victorious than that. And that's just the announcements, which is already rolling in to the joy of the Lord. So the announcements are, we'll see you Saturday or Sunday, next Sunday at 10 o'clock here. Our signs do say 9.30. Our website says 10 o'clock because websites are easier and quicker to update than signs. <laughs> but we'll, we'll work on that, I promise. Um, and uh, we're going to go ahead and pass around the tithe basket really quick. Um, just to let people know, if, if people start asking about kids and kids ministry, we do have that capability. We have the other room locked on also, the little multi-purpose room and kids stuff. And we have the capability. So, and that's another part of that vision is, is that we start to fill the seats. But we fill the seats also with families. You know, and, and that the youngsters can go and be ministered to. And we're not one of those, again, just so you know where we stand is... We don't separate kids to the point where they don't grow up in the church knowing the same things the adults are, and then all of a sudden at 18 they're thrown into church without knowing anything. Really, our kids' ministry is just a, an opportunity for the kids to have a place to have fun together, to get ministered the love of Jesus into, and have the parents have a moment, maybe, to have some quiet and get to uh, be in the Word and be in the Spirit and, and all that good stuff. Uh, so there you have it. It's been a while since I've done this, so that was that was kind of a short preach slash uh, announcements. Kids, none yet, but we will soon, I believe. Um, tithe basket, and let's start with some prayer. So, thank you, Lord, for bringing us together. Thank you, Lord, for your daily provision. Thank you for the building. Thank you for the chairs. Thank you, thank you for the people. Thank you for the city, Father God. We thank you that you've saved us and brought us from death to life. And we stand in awe of that fact. And we stand in awe of you. As we sing, I'm in awe of you and I owe all to you. Man, I love these songs. They speak truth. You told us about the power of the words that come out of our mouths. So let us speak these things. Jesus is his name by which all men may be saved. Amen. 
Jesus is the way and the truth and the life and none will go to the Father except through Him. We believe this. We speak it, we preach it from a place of love. Lord, help us to have the courage and the discipline to grow and allow the Holy Spirit to have free reign in our bodies and our minds and our actions and our character to truly change and transform us into an image of Christ. That our lives would bear eternal fruit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you for your promise that you said, where two or more gather in my name, there I am. We are many more than two right here in this tiny little church. We are many multiples, more than two. So we truly believe that you are here among us now. Guide us, Lord. Correct us, Lord, wherever we need it. Convict us, Lord, and bring us to repentance wherever we need it. And regardless of where we're at in this progression, we sing the praises of the name of Jesus Christ. And we rest confidently, thankfully, and joyfully in the finished work of the cross. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. I've been kind of gearing a different direction here. Uh, Last week we spoke about the peace of the Lord, right? No, it was kind of what we believe. And then the one right before that, um, God kind of put it on my heart. And just so you know, uh, and I just, I know who I am. And I know God uses us all where we're at. And he doesn't change our character, but he molds our character and our actions to, to achieve his objectives as we lay ourselves down to his will, right? I know I'm a kind of negative, dark kind of guy sometimes. I use words like death and the corpse and all that stuff and, and, and dead in our sin and all those things. But I, I do feel that God has a, it's time to turn that message around a little bit for at least a little while. Because not that I think those messages are not important because they're warnings. You know, we can't speak of heaven if we don't speak of hell. All right? We can't speak of the freedom that comes through the finished work of the cross unless we also identify and point to the slavery that comes through sin and the death that comes through sin. We need to speak both of these things all the time. But we're called to be joyful people because we can speak of that and maybe it can kind of sink us into it too as we try to point it out. It can kind of pull you down a little bit. But God has truly put it on my heart, and I believe it's the message for now. We've gone through this maturity phase for a long, long time. God has had us on this. But it's time to celebrate. It's time to not think about the cross where Jesus is in his full humanity, sweating drops of blood and saying, Father God, if this can pass from me, but your will be done. Of course we don't forget that. And it should break our hearts. But we can't stop there. We can remember that for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. That we were dead in our sin. Uh, That's a bummer. We were dead in our sin. The supernatural power of Jesus Christ and the finished work of the cross, an ember was lit. And that we can stand up and we we can lift our hands and say, thank you, Jesus Christ. You are worthy of all of my praise. You are worthy of all of it, Lord. I stand in awe of you. I think about natural terms and stories where a a man will, and there's cultures where a man will save the life of another man and that man's in, 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 in permanent servitude to the man who saved his life. You guys ever heard of that before? I've seen it in movies and read it here and there and stuff like that. And I think on that and go, this is just an eternal, a, 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 a natural life. 
this is just a body. And if somebody saved my life in that culture or in that whatever it is, I would be eternally in servitude, rendered to obedience, indebted to this person who saved my physical life. How much more so? God Almighty that traded in his glory, that the word became flesh, endured life, haven't even gotten to the cross yet, just endured life. Of course, he was amazing and is amazing and enjoyed and, 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 and endured it joyfully and righteously and perfectly all the way to the cross and paid it all so that I could receive eternal life. And how can we not recognize that and stand in joy and victory and, 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 and thankfulness? <clears throat> I'm going to start with Luke chapter 15. And it's interesting. Again, I love how God works. And it's definitely encouraging when the worship team comes up here because we really haven't talked much this week at all and not about Sunday at all. So the worship leader comes out and starts speaking and singing and talking about the same exact things that God put on my heart throughout the weekend, definitely this morning. I'm like, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So Luke 15, we'll start with the, I'm going to read the whole thing. We're going to do a lot of, of um, Bible reading. I hope that's okay. If you don't know me, the reason I lean on the Bible is because I am fallible. <laughs> so I have to lean on the Bible, and I would encourage all of us to lean on the Bible. We don't trust in man, we trust in God. Luke chapter 15, starting with the parable of the lost sheep. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. The parable of the lost coin. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me! I have found my lost coin. In the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And the parable of the lost son. Thank you, Rob, for stealing my thunder. No. <laughs> Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am, starving to death? I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against you. 
I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of, like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. And filled with compassion for him, he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, man, quick. Bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his fingers and his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. And when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older, older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. That parable right there has so much to it. It is just rich could go on and on about it. And one thing I wanted to touch, uh, just as, as Rob was sharing that, and I'm going to probably share it again in a little bit here too, is the son that went and squatter, squandered was never no longer a son. He was still an heir. He was still a son. He just wasn't walking in it. I was reading this morning and it kind of came to light and I kind of read some other things too that kind of really uh, impacted this fact is as we are saved, we are indwelt with the Holy Spirit. And there's many, many biblical spots with that point too. Once you receive by faith the name of Jesus Christ, once you receive the gospel and believe the gospel, and you haven't done anything yet, you are brought from death to life. Yeah. I know I've repeated it many times, so I won't go too much, but you went from a dead, cold coal with no life in it that no matter how much you blow on it or fan it, no matter what you do, it is impossible for that coal to bring fire. Yeah. But on the day you chose to receive and believe, there is an indwelling of the Holy Spirit, a guarantee, a promise that you are a new creation. That coal can still be cold on the outside. But on the inside, there is new life. A tiny little ember. And God still blesses our ability to make decisions and make choices. And we can cho choose to walk in this or not walk in this. But it doesn't change the fact that we are a new creation. Because the reality is that ember will no longer ever go out. Ever. And that is the joy and the victory we stand and clap in. That's that two degrees of, of change in our life that brought about from death to life, yet in the outside we still look the same. So the son was still a son. He just wasn't walking in it. 
We are indwelt with the Holy Spirit, but we might not necessarily be filled with the Holy Spirit because we choose to quench, squash, or deny the Holy Spirit, not allow it to take control of our lives. That's not a condemnation thing, and join me in this because I'm in it too. That's about an obedience and a submission thing that we can let go of our lives and hand it out and say, Holy Spirit, do your will. God, change me. And I know that sometimes I got these habits and desires and sinful things that I've spent 50 years developing in my life. And you're going to have to pry them out of my hands. And, and, I, and God, I want to go like this. And maybe you'll wait for me to do that because it's a character developing thing you're waiting or you're building something in. But Lord, I just want you to rip it out of my hands because sometimes I'm going to say, take this. Ever had that joker? Somebody hands you something and then kind of holds on to it. A dollar bill. I think my parents used to do that when they would hand me like some money and then hold on to it. <laughs> you know? Lord, take this from me, but I might fight. <laughs> because it's my habit and it's my character and it's been developed over so much time and, and, the, and the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. God knows these things. So in the midst of going through these trials and tribulations and the character changes that we're struggling and wrestling and trying to get rid of and move towards being a little tiny ember to a raging fire for Jesus, in that process, O oh, author and perfecter of our faith, we're going to feel some pain. <laughs> but there's some good stuff on the other side of it. And God knows this. He's aware of it. He's not surprised by it. And he's covered that problem by the finished work of the cross. So you can be in that process and stumble over the very same old thing over and over again as it's getting worked out. And God has taken care of that. Thank you, Lord. That's not authority and license to walk in sin. It's not. It's not that. And God knows the difference. And quite frankly, I believe so do we. If we're honest about it. People who don't believe will look at that and say, oh, you're just gaming the game. You found a way to just live your life the way you want to, unrepentant and unashamed, and then just come and repent on Sundays and you're still good to go. But what if it's Tuesday? Yeah? And the reality is, too, is if you're walking it out like that, then I would say you're probably not saved. Then the ember's not there. Jesus talks about the branch and the vine. If the vine is connected to the branch, it's going to bear fruit. Even if it's a new vine, if it's a new branch and it's green and it doesn't quite have fruit, but it's in that process, it's got some buds, that's a branch that's coming from the vine. It's alive. If there are branches that are not producing fruit, even if they kind of look like branches, I would argue that they're not connected to the vine. Does that make sense? Yeah. But we're alive in Christ and we are new creations and he's doing his work in us. And if we're going to be like this son, we can even walk away and then come to our senses. I love that phrase. And he came to his senses. I imagine this guy, he's laying with the pigs. He's starving. The pigs are actually happy because they like rolling in mud and they have plenty of food. And he realizes, what is going on? I'm an heir to the kingdom. I'm a son to this powerful guy. My father's servants live well. And I'm living worse than the pigs. It's that moment of clarity. What am I doing? And that's what chokes me up about that silly parable. It's not silly. I take that back. About that powerful parable that can sound, if you just read it, like, oh, that's an interesting little story. There is power behind that story. Yeah. Because it talks about how Jesus is going to respond to us. How God's going to respond to us when we come to our senses and 
break down to our knees and say, I repent, O Lord. Last week, I think we talked a little bit about just, you know, our enemies are not flesh and blood. They're the powers and the authorities of the air. They're the liars that have brought people into bondage about the wages of slavery. So we talk about LGBTQA plus and all that stuff. We say, is it that lifestyle that brings about hell and death? Well, I would argue this. You don't even have to address the lifestyle specifically because that's where it gets really hostile, right? And we're not bringing about hostility. We're bringing about the gospel that brings peace and joy and love. We want to bring the love of Christ that brings conviction to repentance, to freedom through Christ. Changed lives forever. From wherever. Because what do we believe about the sufficiency of, of, of the cross? Completely sufficient. Yeah. Yeah. To bring people from death to life. There's victory in that. Man, I am way off track. Well, you're right on track. <clears throat> so when we address, we don't have to address specific lifestyles. What brings death? Unrepentant habitual sin. You can have habitual sin. 30 years I've been living a certain way. God brings me from death to life. The outside of the tent's the same. The outside of my coal looks the same. Got 30 years now. Can God train me into a new creation? Right? He's a supernatural God. Of course he can. My experience is he did not work like that in me. And again, I go back to that imagery. I believe God knows our timing. I believe, I got, God put, kind of put this on my heart, that imagery of, of um, the old school clay that's a dry clump. And if you just grabbed it and tried to make a rabbit out of it, it would just crumble and break and snap and crack into dust. I believe God put that on my heart for a reason, to recognize that if you're walking and you're stumbling, that's okay because you're covered by grace if you're repentant, if you're truly connected to the vine. Even if it doesn't look like it on the outside, don't be discouraged. Stand up. Pull your bootstraps up and carry on. And remember that just like this son, he's going to receive you back. Not like this, I guess, come back. But man, you've got to keep messing up. That's not how the father received his son. He was happy and joyful and ran out into the fields. And he got his best robe and said, you are my son, you are a son of this house. He put a ring on him, signifying heir, son, sonship, ownership. He put sandals on his feet and celebrated because he had gone from death to life. What a joy, what a victory. What is the peace of the Lord? I'm watching the clock here because I'm just now starting. (laughs) Joy and happiness are found in those who abide in Christ. We are not called to be sad and morose. I've used that word morose a lot lately. I don't know. I just like it. I like words. I just love words. You guys like words? Sometimes a word will come out and be like, I love the meaning, I love the phrase, and I love the way it sounds. Morose. All right. We're not called to be morose. We're called to walk in the victory of Christ with thankful, joy-filled hearts. The parables above resulted in three things. The results of all three of them were this. A joyful shepherd, a joyful woman, and a joyful father. And on top of that, joy is one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. If we're walking in sadness and sorrow all the time, I would say, hey, look at your heart. Because we're not called to be sad and morose all the time. We're 
called to be convicted. We are called to have broken hearts for the lost and dying. We are called to love the unlovable, touch the untouchable, just like Christ did. But we are called to stand in confidence, victory, and joy because we know, one, that we are saved and we are brought into the heirhood of Christ. We are called not only to just be in heaven as a second-class citizen. Thank goodness I'm in heaven. I don't care that I'm sweeping the floors, but I barely made it. That's not the image we see. That's not biblically accurate. What's biblically accurate is that we sit at the right hand of God as co-heirs with Christ. Wow. How undeserved. Heck, I don't deserve to go up there and sweep the floors in heaven. And this Bible tells me that because because of the finished work of the cross, in the name of Jesus Christ, I'm destined to be a co-heir with Christ. Wow. How amazing. And how can we not live this life out with joy? And peace. Who was I talking to recently? I was talking to my son-in-law. Actually out surfing recently. And uh, we were just talking about liking kind of to do dangerous things. You know, I like surfing. I like skating and all this stuff. And you get hurt. You can potentially get killed. I used to ride motorcycles and it's dangerous, you know. But how we find peace, I think, just throughout life, whether you do dangerous things or not, is this. God has the perfect timing and knows the steps of your life and all things. And if we trust and believe in him, then we're destined to be co-heirs with Christ anyway in heaven. And he's going to call us home regardless. I remember a Ripley's Believe It or Not story from way back in the day. And this lady jumped out of an airplane, thousands and thousands of feet, and the parachute failed, and the secondary parachute failed, and she snapped into the ground and lived. It wasn't her time. (laughs) It was not her time. We serve a supernatural God, not a natural God. He can do amazing things, right? I'm sure it didn't feel good. <laughs> there might have been a process by it. You know, but God's timing, man. And I'm not saying tempt fate or anything like that, but I am saying walk in confidence and know that God has a perfect plan. That the other side of that coin is this. I remember a young Marine that was in fantastic shape. He was like one of those awesome Marines. Among Marines, which is a bunch of people who are in great shape, this guy was in really great shape. And he loved to run and do this and do that. And he was just a heck of a guy. And and one day he was out on a run and he just dropped dead. That was it. His heart stopped and he fell over. And they never figured out what happened. They just said, we don't know. You know, which everybody was kind of blown away with. But now that I know who God is and what he's all about, I believe mine. When God calls you home, you're going home. You know? And when he's not calling you home, you're not going home. That was more in line with doing dangerous things. I don't worry about that stuff. But that's even just the way we walk this life out. That you can be bold, you can be encouraged, and you can know through a joyful, victorious, and grateful heart that you are destined to be co-heirs with Christ in heaven, regardless of the timing or the situation of the circumstances that your body passes away. Yeah. yeah. I was joking around with somebody because they said, how do you surf all the time? Aren't you afraid of sharks? And I go, the only thing I'm afraid of about a shark attack is it might be painful. I'm kind of hoping he hits me pretty hard. Just, that's the end of that. But if he hits me, he hits me. I'm not worried about it. I don't care. So the end result is I'm going to heaven. And I can still surf and smile. And sometimes I pick my feet up a little bit because, you know. <laughs> But it's okay, because I still walk in joy, 
And I believe that is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's a scary world outright. Walking in the flesh would bring fear. You know? Galatians chapter 5, verses, verses 22 to 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these things there is no law. And I think of all these things and I go, these are absolutely the polar opposite of the fruit of the flesh. Right? To consume and enjoy at any expense is the fruit of the flesh. Lord Jesus exampled and experienced joy on earth and promised joy through him. John chapter 15 verse 11, the things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. John chapter 16 verse 24, until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. The joy of the Lord is not found in worldly possessions, but in relationship with Jesus and obedience to his word and the filling of the Holy Spirit. There is a difference between the indwelling of the Spirit and the filling, the indwelling of the Spirit and the filling of the Holy Spirit. I think we already talked about that, right? We are all indwelt when we receive. I'll go really quick. I'm watching time too. But you cannot walk in it. You, you can choose not to walk in it. It's called the quenching of the Holy Spirit or the grieving excuse me, of the Holy Spirit. We're called to let those things go and allow. It's so awesome. We serve this wonderful God that saves us and still gives us free will. We chose death instead of life because of the free will that he blessed us with. That line of Adam all came all the way up to us. And then we had two choices, receive or not receive. I believe here we've chosen to receive. We're brought into life from death, dead in our sins. Now we are a new creation with this ember, the Holy Spirit that's deep inside us. And we still have more choices. We're still not robots. We still have our character and our intellect and our, and, and our again, free will, which can be such a burdensome thing sometimes, but it's such a gift and a blessing. We serve a God as a God of will. Before he created the universe, it brings uh, that imagery, I love it, is that a statue is not began when the hammer and the chisel start chiseling it out. The statue began in the mind and the vision of what the statue was going to look like. The artist already created it. How much more so our God, who, again, were created in the image of this God. He saw the universe. He willed the universe. It was about will and choice. And we get to have that same privilege and honor and blessing and sometimes a curse. And he still honors our decisions from death to life. And now do we walk in it or not? And if we're walking in it, I can promise you this. And my experience has been this. And I'm a fallible man, so I don't even always walk in it because I'm fallible. But when I walk in the Spirit, joy comes. When I walk in the Spirit, freedom comes. When I walk in the Spirit, peace comes. I am not a righteous man. But I'm saved by grace through faith. In the name of Jesus Christ. And every time I let go, freedom comes. Every time I let go of myself, peace and joy come. Every time I let go, love for others comes. And sometimes tears come down because I'm broken 
by the awesome miracle that had to take place. And even in that is still joy. And even in that is still thankfulness. Watch out for prosperity teachers that will grab a hold of this message. We weren't promised an easy life. We were promised peace and joy through the confidence in the sufficiency of the cross. Romans chapter 14, verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating drinking and drinking. Excuse me. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking physical things. Man will, shall not live by bread alone, by, by, but by every word of God, right? The bread of life, the word of God, not the bread the bread is just sustainment. But of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I'm going to land here pretty soon. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Easily entangles. That phrase right there just blows my mind. Easily. The flesh is weak. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For the joy set before him. Jesus, in all of his manhood, he was fully God and fully man, and his human, his humanity was bleeding drops of blood. And he was crying out. And it's amazing to me because when we speak, I love the imagery there because you could say, God, in any one of our prayers, we can say, God, your will be done because I know your will is perfect. And I'm going to present before you some of my desires and plans. But I just want you to know, Lord, that I trust you first and foremost. If my plan does not align with your plan, shut it down. And put me in alignment with your will. See how that works? Our prayers will always be answered because our prayers will always be in line with the will of God when we start from your will be done. Align my heart. It's cool. The Holy Spirit supernaturally moves, especially when we're young believers, but currently too, is when we're not sure what we should be praying, we can say, Holy Spirit, put me in alignment. If I'm praying wrong, correct it. If I'm praying wrong, deny that request. But God says, put all your prayers and petitions before me. He says, you receive not because you ask not. So ask. Now, again, that goes back to these prosperity doctrine preachers that you have to watch out for. It says right here, it's not a matter of bread and wine. It's, the kingdom is not about eating and drinking. So if you're praying, I wouldn't even say, don't pray for a Lamborghini. I don't care about Lamborghinis, but if that's what you want, say, Lord, your will be done. If it is your will, this is my desire. But you're the king of my heart, not this Lamborghini. If that ever gets switched, then there's a problem. And then you'll come to that place where you're eating and sleeping with pigs and come to that realization, oh God, I supplanted you with a Lamborghini. Forgive me, and he will again and again and again until you're aligned right. Does that make sense? So you can pray for those things, but that prosperity doctrine is see it, pray it, believe it, and all that stuff, and it's unbiblical and wrong. Your will be done, Father God. If this cup can pass from me, that would be my desire, Lord. 
Our Lord Jesus Christ said that. But your will be done. And then he stepped out. I love that phrase. Nails didn't hold him to a cross. Love held him to the cross. He chose to be there. For the joy set before him. His joy? I think he was going to be joyful anyway. Even if God didn't put him on the cross, he was going to be at the right hand of God. Right? He was the perfect one. He didn't need the cross. He was set on the right hand of the throne of God. He was fully God and fully man. Whose joy then? For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. My joy. Your joy. Our life. Our eternity. Wow. Wow. What a wonderful God we serve. Yeah, this is a hard one to land. <laughs> Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. And Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks, and send some of those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Let's just stand and pray. <clears throat> Lord, we lift up your heavenly name. We cry out, thank you, Lord, for everything you've done. We rely on the sufficiency of the cross, the finished work of the cross. We thank you that you brought us from death to life and we are now new creations. Help us, Lord, for the flesh is weak. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. We thank you for Paul's admission of why, oh Lord, do I not do the things I know I'm supposed to do? And why do I do the things I'm not supposed to do? Lord, help us to to grab a hold of that message and change our hearts. That we could not hold on, but let go of those things that the Holy Spirit would have the freedom to move and do in our body, in our mind, in our culture. That you are a supernatural God. That through God, all things are possible. As a rich man said, what teacher, what must I do to be saved? And he walked away sad when he was told he needed to sell everything and follow Christ. Because his heart was about the food and the wine and the treasures here on earth. We don't know what the end of that story was, but we know what you said. It is harder for a rich man to pass and make it into heaven to be saved. Harder for a rich man to be saved than it is for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle. But the end is not there. People stop there. That's a sad message. But what does Jesus say? But with God, all things are possible. Through the name of Jesus Christ and the finished work of the cross, a camel can clearly make it through the eye of a needle. Because that's what needed to happen for us to be saved. When we contemplate the miraculous, supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. We lift up our voices and we sing, Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. You are worthy, Lord. You are worthy of all praise. You are worthy to be glorified and lifted high. And we are focused specifically on you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's just lift up his name. Thank you, Jesus. You are worthy, Lord. You are worthy, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You are worthy, Lord. Amen. Amen.